Welcome. I'm the Falcon of the West. And I'm the Prince of Precision. And we are the Attack Attack Action Action Podcast. Podcast. Awesome. Great new intro. You really nailed it, Isaac. It only took us 5,000 times to figure out how to do that. Yep. And uh, Taylor has not edited it yet, so we're unsure how swimmingly it went. But I think we really nailed it. (laughs) Uh, As we always do, always nailing it. Yeah, always a perfect pod in our minds. Totally. Uh, So right at the top of the show... Um, we are doing another remote podcast and we are trying to kind of iron that out um, live as we do episodes. So if the sound is a little wonkadoo, uh, we're doing our best here. I've just become increasingly busy with work uh, and that sort of thing. And so this just makes it a lot easier for us yeah, during mean- these busy times. We both have construction crews building us private studios at our houses, but until those are up, um, you know, less than ideal. Yeah. Due to all of the sweet Patreon money we have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Thanks to all our Patreon supporters. Totally. We really appreciate every cent. Uh, On today's episode, me and Isaac are going to talk about our most recent road to nationals experience and talk about the meta and kind of what we're expecting out of the calling. Um, but before we get there, Isaac has some shout outs. Oh, I just wanted to shout out FabDB. Um, as I've been using that website a bit more recently than I was, you know, this past summer or spring. And we had Kirk on the show talking about FabDB and it's like, uh, it's looking pretty slick. It's like, you know, looks good. Um, and I know if you're kind of, you know, one of the only games in town or whatever, you uh, maybe don't feel the need to innovate or um, upgrade um, quite quite as strongly. But, uh, you know, props to Kirk for, uh, you know, continually adding features and uh, working to make it better because it definitely shows. Uh, you know, I was just impressed. Uh, last time I was using all the tools in the toolbox. Ching, ching, chink, clink, cling. Those are tool clinking noises in a toolbox sound effect. Pretty spot on. Yeah, I I mean, the, the DB has been great for Road to Nats. I just put my deck on there, use the export feature, and uh, print it out. It's ready to go. So that's really, really useful. Yeah, I, I particularly, I like the sideboards uh, selection menu at the moment where, you know, you have all your cards laid out visually and then click them into your sideboard. Um, because when I deck build, I like, um, I'm very visual about it. I like spatially have my cards out on the table, mm-hmm. um, separated by like attacks, non-attacks, pitch values, whether they block or not and um, you know, other sort of functions. So it's a very like specific kind of grid 
um, on my kitchen table. And uh, so, you know, having it laid out like that in FabDB helps me um, deck build a little better than just looking at a list. Um, when right. I, you know, when I don't want to lay all my cards out, just having that visually when I just open my computer uh, is actually like really helpful for me. Um, not sure how for everyone, but that's how my brain works. So that's a cool, fun feature. Nice. Hell yeah. All right. Well, all thanks. Right. Thanks for you that shout shout-out. Outs? No, I don't have any shout outs. All right. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> and we don't have any, there's no real news. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday and I'm and uh, this is specific Pacific daylight time. So I'm sure in, later this evening we'll get a new group of spoilers for today. We should be getting, I think, kind of a lot of cards, but yeah, like uh, 11 hours or something. Yeah, we will drop. If anything is particularly exciting, we might podcast later but anyway so if you're like why isn't there any news for these spoilers that's why because it's right before that and uh we're just gonna wait to do it later (laughs) Uh, anyway well it's just impossible to play because like we got some some sweet news we make a pod and we release it and then like the next day something bigger drop you know it's just like what do you yeah There's no very exciting time. Yeah, it it really is spoiler season and that sort of thing. Uh, Also on that note, I would like to commend our listeners for uh, responding to the action item on the last podcast where we needed you guys to kind of give LSS the business a little bit about, you know, how much you enjoy our content and the criminal injustice that is being done to us (laughs) by not, you know, being, being recognized by legend story studios as kind of like a valuable content creator. Yeah. Thank you everybody for shouting us out. I've seen quite a few shout outs on different platforms, um, voicing your support for us. So we do really, really appreciate that. Um, so thanks guys. Yeah. And keep that up, you know, out there. Yeah. Keep it up. You know, uh, blast them with some more stuff about how much you love us. We really appreciate that. And hopefully, uh, that'll be kind of like maybe the final milestone when I, when we started the podcast that I wanted us to achieve, you know, is like recognition from legend story studios. So once that happens, once we get a spoiler or something, just, yeah, the podcast will just probably start going downhill afterwards. That's our goal. Well, and then we win worlds, right? And then, you know, we have all our interviews and fame. <laughs> yeah, our spots on the local TV station. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so let's just get right into it, huh? Our sure. uh, our final, your uh, third road to nationals and my second and final road to nationals for the season. So we were in Vacaville, California at forgotten path games or gaming. Can't remember. It's forgotten path. Um, and me, you and Johnny blue razor went down there to wreak havoc on those, uh, Bay area, adjacent central Valley folk. 
We did. Oh, is this where I chime in? Yeah, chime in. Yeah. You're the co-host. Yeah, it's pretty fun um, weekend for us. It's pretty sweet because like the three of us drive down together and then drive back together, and like you know, the day after we get breakfast, you and I got breakfast, and mm-hmm. you know, just walked around town and talked about flesh and blood for you know every waking moment of you know, <laughs> two and a half days or whatever yeah. it was. Um, so that's pretty fun. It kind of, it's like two days of sitting straight for us, um, just because of the commute time. So that makes it a little, uh, kind of fatiguing and a little less fun, but I mean, I had a blast. These things are a very cool mission and kind of a little, you know, escape from, uh, you know, just like chores and stress and all the, I mean, real life's great, but it's like cool to go on a, a fantasy competition. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've been working my butt off here. And so it was nice to kind of get away and not check my email for like kind of two days straight. So that was really great. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well, that's the, the friendship aspect of Road to Nationals has been the highlight for me, even more than winning, you know. Of course, like it's easier to be in a good mood <laughs> yeah, when, when you, you do a bunch of winning. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. But honestly, it's it really is uh, you and Mitch that make those trips the best, you know. Thanks. And you too. Hey, thanks, man. And Yeah, a little side note, like you're working from home and a lot of um, or don't know like a, a large number of people work from home these days and mm-hmm. uh it's like for me when i worked from home uh it's kind of hard to turn my brain off out of work mode because you could like 24 7 you could be working and you could be thinking about it there's no like physical separation of like clock out and drive home and now like you can't work so right um at least i've struggled with that in the past so doing stuff like taking a little road trip um, where you are like separated from your work, uh, you know, I think is like really important if you're one of those people that just kind of like always manages projects in your brain, even when you should be having leisure time or something. Um, right. So I, I think that's very, you know, kind of a silver lining to, uh, you know, a little road to nationals getaway. Hell yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into it here a little bit. So we kind of just went all out for this one. We drove down the morning of, which kind of made the day into like a 13-hour day for me, uh, you know, with the driving. And then we were there maybe like 40 minutes before it started. And then it was just no breaks all the way into top eight and blasting through those games and stuff. So I was very, very, very tired. <laughs> It was also like a hundred degrees and very smoky in Vacaville. So totally. in between rounds, you're like mask off, walk around outside time was maybe not as like refreshing as, uh, I mean, for me, it's still better to mask off and walk around, but it, uh, was definitely, you know, yeah, that could have been a little bit. Um, and it wasn't that cool in the, in the store yeah. either. Uh, so it, at this road to Nats, there were 38 people. I think there were more signed up, but I think 38 wound, wound up competing. 
Uh, and right off the bat, I just want to throw this up there at the top. Uh, there are two two things. One, there were a lot of people from our earlier road to nationals that we had gone to in the month in Sacramento. And so that was really cool to see a lot of familiar faces and kind of start to really form some friendships with other players in the community. And uh, I really, really liked that. Second thing, uh, I'm putting you on blast a little bit, Forgotten Path. You kind of really messed this tournament up a little bit. (laughs) Not only did they pack us in there like sardines while having extra space, you know, to have this event or whatever, we were like shoulder to shoulder on certain tables. Like no, no space for your life pad or dice to be anywhere. Um, and especially during, you know, times of COVID and stuff, it was uh, not that fun due to that. Second thing that they, they really dropped the ball on, they didn't uh, drop anybody who didn't show up or check in. So round one, there were two people, and this consisted through the rest of the tournament, which was so weird. But there were two people whose opponents uh, were clearly not there. You know what I mean? Like they hadn't, it wasn't like they were there and then missed round one. They just weren't there and they never dropped them from the tournament. So two people just got uh, no opponent match wins basically when you could have just fixed it before you started the tournament and then everybody would have been paired up and it would have made for a better tournament and tiebreakers and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, people have had, you know, valid or semi-valid or whatever, you know, complaints um, about the, I mean, the gem system works really well, but, you know, there's already, um, you know, some concerns about gem waiting and stuff and there always will be i'm not uh trying to validate them or not i don't know enough about it but um to add on like multiple yeah non-opponent buys into all of that is just like really um you know because i mean you can't see how it matters but it does matter across the tournament right well i mean one of the things is that like you know spoiler you had a game against one of those players and you wound up losing that match and that was only one of your two losses but that player's like strength of schedule is hurt by that so it's like you know an extra bad loss you know what i mean yeah right so like it hurts people who maybe could bubble in or bubble out of the top eight so yeah definitely you know all those things like all matter and yeah it's a casual level event but there's no you know real excuse for running it poorly and plus there were like the they did not get like a skilled judge employee you know i asked some questions about the top eight and they had no plan and it was just like luckily the uh a lot of community members knew how all of this stuff should go <laughs> yeah. to help them along. So, and I will say, I mean, the tournament wasn't like a shit show or a failure or anything, but just on the scale of tournament performance, you know, it was, uh, you know, suboptimal for sure. 
And yeah, like I, the shoulder to shoulder thing, I mean, that happens, right? Like space is an issue. Um, and uh, the thing is, like you said, there's just like extra. Yeah. Um, there's extra, a whole like other time, row of tables. I'll shout out uh, one of my opponents, Tiffany on Bolton was like, let's just go sit somewhere else. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then we went and sat at like a whole free open table <laughs> and played our game with like lots of room. And it was just like really nice. Totally. And I don't mind being <laughs> packed in if that's how it has to be. But when you have like, you know, basically a whole other giant row of tables that you're not really utilizing, like, come on. Let's uh, let's get that together. You know, anyway, so those are my my upfront complaints, but also let's not forget the friends we made along the way. So uh, let's talk round one here, Isaac. So we had 38 players. That means we get six rounds of Swiss before the cut to the top eight. Uh, So what was your round one like? Uh, Oh, well, so I was on Leviah for this road to Nats. Um, (laughs) That's the Uh demon. (laughs) <laughs> who I've um, I've played a, some rounds with Leviah um, earlier when I was trying to build Hexagore and then on this current deck I only have a handful of rounds but um, in practice but yeah. my idea was that you know I kind of achieved my goal with Azalea and um I don't know. I was just pretty psyched on Leviah and that puzzle. And my, my idea was that this would be like an excellent way to get in, you know, six rounds of testing against like other opponents other than you guys, you know? And of course I wanted to like top eight and do well and all that. But, um, you know, just I'm like psyched on this hero. It's like pretty difficult and needs a lot of reps to uh, understand. And, you know, this is like a, you know, just a great great testing pool so that um that's why i picked leviah um i'm still very intrigued by this deck and uh i'm not sure who i will bring to the calling but um i i'm gonna play a few more rounds um just to kind of feel it out um you know anyway so that was my pick and um round one i played a chain player uh i ended up winning 11 to nothing and uh, it turned out later that player top aided. So I think he lost to me and then won five in a row, maybe. Um, which at the time I like kind of ran him over. But looking back, I was like, oh, that player top aided is like pretty good. So, you know, pretty solid round one win. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> nice. Uh, round, one. round one. Yeah, yeah, round one for me, I sat down across my uh, new friend Travis, and he was on Viscerai. And uh, I got kind of nervous because, you know, that it's one of those, like, non-interactive decks, you know, that he could just kind of high roll me and then, like, blast me for 30 damage on turn five or something. Uh, and that would suck. But that did not happen. Um, you was know, he on Sonata OTK or yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. That's what it wound up being. Yeah, and he had like 
you know, the best start starts the turn starts turn one with eight rune chance, you know, uh, uh, you know, a blue Mordred tide and then a red read the runes, I think. And so I was like, well, shit, (laughs) this is, this is how I lose classic to just kind of a cheese deck, but then just nothing happened. You know, classic OTK stuff is just like, uh, then the game's over and they're just like, excellent. My work here is done. And then they just kind of like float away, (laughs) you know, but nothing happens. The only damage I took was to blood debt. So it was like a pretty easy round one win, which I was thankful for. Sorry, Travis, you're a very cool dude. And I was happy to, uh, catch up with you for the rest of the tournament and stuff. Gotcha. He just did not draw high rune chant combos again and you're like putting gas on he did he wound up with 18 rune chance but he was like at too low of a life point um yeah. well 18 in like five or six turns is not a lot either if you don't attack yeah yeah, yeah. so uh so it just was kind of an, a nice easy breeze and then <clears throat> you know we were talking after round one and we were like oh sick we all won like mitch beat chain you beat a chain i beat someone on viscerai we all beat rune blades you know we're like we're gonna do it we're gonna make top eight <laughs> or whatever Dude. you know and uh mitch side note mitch brought kano as yeah. a, a meta counter yeah um, and no he- testing games really less than five just going for it yeah, he's he's played Kano in the past, and then it blitzed some. But uh, yeah, was uh, bringing it as a meta counter, and you know loves Kano, but um, you know didn't iron out all the kinks necessarily. <laughs> but classic him style, you know, it was awesome. Anyway, yeah, made his deck in the car when we used to pull up. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's like, so what do you guys think about this? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, pretty good. Um, uh, and then on to round two, we also were outside being like, oh, shit, we all won. We might play each other. And lo and behold, my round two opponent was Isaac. So I know. I always kind of wishfully <clears throat> think that we're not going to play each other, but we like almost always do. It's like every other one. Or in both yeah. Road to Nats, I've well, played, played either you or Mitch round two. Right. And the, well, and I just played Thomas round one out of three yeah, players. So dumb. And in previous tournaments, we've paired up yeah, round in, one out yeah. of 60 players. You know, I don't know. Yeah, totally. In skirmish season. Yep. Yeah. Lame. Hopefully at the calling, this does not happen. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> God dang it. Nobody wants so, a round one loss to their friend out of 800 people. <laughs> yeah, totally. So we we played each other and uh, it was, I think it was maybe my favorite game of the whole tournament, I think. In terms of like the intensity of the match, you know? Uh, Yeah. I think it was a little less intense for me because I, uh, I, I kind of thought you would probably win. Um, you know, you're you're like decks more optimized. You have a lot more reps on it. You're just like more comfortable in that situation. Um, not that I like couldn't win, but um, you know, just looking at it, odds are, like I'm gonna play my best. I played against Taylor a bunch. 
and uh, you know, like odds are you'll beat me. So all that was kind of laid out in my mind, right? Yeah, for me, it was like this is definitely a deck that I know can just beat me without me like making them. You know, it's like I can play a tight, perfect game and still lose to this deck. Right. You know, so for me, it was very intense. Looking back at our scorecard here, it's like extremely even. Every time I tick down your score or mine, we're within one or two life points until the end of the game, you know? So like even despite like round one or turn one, you rolled scab skins, rolled a one, arsenal passed, which is not the end of the world. Like you don't get to let me sculpt my hand, but you also don't fuel your engine and stuff. So. And I really had wanted to actually block with some cards because I had a blue and three (laughs) E-Strikes in hand. So I really wanted to like block with some of those or, you know, just like not not have those cards. Uh, um, I think the I think the difference in that game was that uh, I did not ramp as fast as I needed to. Mm-hmm. and you know chains kind of like always ramping right because you're always making shackles so there's mm-hmm. always some sort of baseline ramp and for the first well i went first and rolled a one and then uh for my second and third turn i guess i just drew hands where all i could do was like swing at you for six yeah so i like i blocked some which helps and then swung for six which is like a, a decent turn just i felt like against chain you're kind of on the clock so, you know, swing for six block, swing for six block, did not hit on my shadow, um, you know, fetch turn. And, you know, all this is fine. It's just like, you're ramping up your shackles and I have like not really ramped as my deck needs to. And that's how, that's how it felt for my end. Cause then, you know, towards the end, you're just like, uh, a little more ramped than I am for that end game turn. Yeah. I mean, you kept up good pressure. Like I can see the amount of damage. I took compared to you and stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like very even exchanges and you like seeing hit me with CNC and, you know, a bunch of other stuff that I had to like block out to, or like block some to not just get so far behind. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, there was just one pivotal turn where I just really took the reins. It's like turn four, or something or turn or shackle five. I think it went to six shackles or something. Um, but you like had two sixes in hand, play shadow of blasphemet draw. Right. And I wind up rolling the dice rather than like just picking the card. This was the, the fates telling me <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I roll the dice and it winds up being, you're one non sixer. So you don't get to go fetch. You don't fulfill your blood debt. And I just like take minimal damage. Like I still block it, you know, and I took four. Yeah. You take four blood debt. You don't get to do like anything other, anything else on your turn or set anything up. And it just was like a really good exchange for me. And I just kind of didn't look back from there. Yeah. And I mean, that turn, I think I also rolled uh, scab skins for playing shadow and then playing something after it and like missed on the scab skins also, which all of this is just like part of the game and like a good 
Leviathan player will like mitigate, you know, that sort of randomness. But yeah, from my end, that also felt like, you know, just the pivotal turn. Because then we're kind of at like even life totals and you're like ramping, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so that is still a really good game. And I still think it was like the the closest game, you know, despite all of those things, you know, but yeah. so, uh, yeah. so after round two, I wind up two and O oh in your one and one. Yep. Beat me five to nothing, but yeah, it was a very good game, uh, you know, down to the end for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so then round two, so what did you have, uh, round two? Round three. Round two was That's against what I Taylor. Meant. Round three. Um, so I played against a Bolton, um, and ended up winning that one nine to nothing. But Bolton's pretty tough because all of my things pump, right? And, uh, or pump their cards, right? If I block. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a little bit tough because I also want to fuel my graveyard, but I don't want to like pump their cards too much, especially if it's the only thing that's going to turn on their go again. And uh, Bolton can just like, it's just one of these new like, you know, aggro combo decks that can just kind of blow you out with what looks like no setup, you know? Um, so that game gets rolling and then they have a, a V celestial something turn, you know, just like <laughs> a big turn. So I went down 30 to 15. Um, Cause I, but I was like set up, right. I have like a howl and a deep rooted and vanish uh, a healthy graveyard. And I'm holding like, you know, I have an arsenal card and I'm holding a blood rush turn with some, some six or resources or, you know, like kind of the mm-hmm. best, best setup I can be. So, uh, while I'm sitting there and just bleeding out hoping she doesn't just keep doing damage to me <laughs> i uh yeah i end up going down 15 to 30 but then i you know i can respond with a mountain of damage and from then on i'm just like yeah set up and you know there's there's definitely scenarios where like bolton could just run me over the whole game you know because that deck can do that but um i just set up and had that pivot turn and then being down 15 is like not very much when I can force blocks. And then once you get Bolton down to low enough life, that deck's kind of too card hungry. Um, right. To go like tit for tat, like, you know, they can blow you out in the damage race, but then once they're down to like, you know, six health, you, you know, they can no longer just take it for momentum. And I kind of knew all of this going in, even though I've never played this matchup with Levia. It's just kind of the Bolton strategy. Like that deck kind of does one thing, right? Or sorry, this is rated Bolton. Right. Sabres. Yep. Yep. Um, and that, so that deck has one very, very good strategy, but you kind of know what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. And just hope they don't like high roll you too much. Cause <laughs> you know, 24 damage out of nowhere is pretty nuts. But anyway, so that was that much match. Uh, yeah. One nine to zero. Hell yeah. Decisive. Uh, all right. You're round three. That's sick. You only took six more damage after that. Yeah. Well, I think after that turn, then I come in for 
uh, I don't know, maybe 24 or something. <laughs> so then it like strips cards and gets them below me. And then after that, you're just like, you know, screamer and a growl. Or, yeah. You know, whatever. And they can't not block at that point. Right. So then it's like you're stripping cards from Bolton, which is really bad for them. Yeah. Totally. And if they want to hang on to any, they're just like leaking tons of damage. So yeah, it's like definitely the way to play that matchup. Hell yeah. Yeah. So round three for me was against Carlos. Um, and he was on dash and he was sitting. So now I'm at table one. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think there's a bit of gamesmanship in this matchup. Uh, he presented me his deck to cut and like, I watched him like side in all of his cards, you know, and I didn't really, or I did hedge my sideboard. I definitely did for control, but in the back of my mind, I was like, I bet he's going to go aggro on me, you know? And, uh, sure enough, that's exactly what happened is, uh, I think thankfully I won the dice roll. Um, <laughs> nice thirsty dog. There we go. Back to Your chest our is getting some water. <laughs> back to our roots here. Totally. Um, but yeah, so he like wasn't blocking my turn, and you know, went aggressive, started boosting and swinging the pistol and stuff, and I had to survive some pretty big turns early, like. He commanded and conquered me at the end of a combat chain and then got another command and conquer, used the Goliath gauntlet. And I also had to survive a high octane turn. Like <clears throat> I'm just thankful I didn't get like, uh, Oh, what is the one maximum velocity? I saw him pitch it early. So I was like, Whew, okay, well at least it was one of those, you know, yeah, that dash deck, it's kind of fun. There's room for uh, aggro boost dash in the meta now. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that game went kind of long because I had to like spend the early turns like not dying. Like I had, it was either red uh, plunder run or a shadow puppetry or something in my arsenal that I was like trying to protect. I'm pretty sure it was plunder run. And, uh, Cause I knew once I kind of got some breathing room, I'd blow them out, you know, with that red plunder run, like that would be just a really good turn. And if he's going to play aggressive, it might be the only one I see all game. So I, you know, definitely had to protect it. Um, and then, you know, I just, you know, he wound up just running out of kind of gas early after those three, you know, two command and conquers and a high octane, it was kind of like I still played tight and just took control of the game and uh, didn't feel out of control at all. I just felt can, you know, pretty comfortable after kind of the mid game there, as you do with chain and stuff. And so I beat him, but he was a very good player. Like he knew what I was going to do and mathed out my turns and guessed correctly most of the time and did some pretty efficient blocks, but. Uh, just was too much too much for him in the end i mean that's one of the difficulties in playing against chain right is like 
you as chain have the flexibility to like block and then have a semi-muted turn if they're really putting the gas on right and uh but you're still making shackles so you're still you know you're still like like i said always kind of baseline ramping and as the other player facing chain you know just doing exchanges or muting their turns to some degree is like not quite good enough right like you have to be you have to be like a c c and c is great pressure but you have to be like winning because uh yeah you know it doesn't really matter if you like half stall it out and trade even damage for a bit you gotta like right you gotta be winning early is what it feels like you know yeah totally which i get for sure um so then on to round four so you're two and one now i'm three and oh what happens Um, for you in round four so round four i played against bravo um a guy named jake on bravo he's a very uh practiced good bravo shout out to jake aka ruby um fab foundry brother oh yeah um so this match is where like my lack of preparation like really doomed me in the tournament i think um because i'd never played this matchup and just had like no cohesive game plan um I mean, not to, like, Jake played very tight and very well, not to take away from his play. Just speaking from my side, I, like, did not have a plan and then executed it, right? I Like, I sided in four big defense reactions, but then didn't see any of them until, like, the end of the game. And um, some other things kind of, like, diluted my deck, and I was kind of unsure whether I was, you know, I guess basically I did not execute like one cohesive plan and, um, you know, he kind of just like whooped me. Uh, I ended up winning nine or losing nine to nothing. Uh, he had two, I think two tome plays or, you know, he played sigils and a tome. Um, it's that life game. Wasn't ideal when I was just, I think not pressuring him enough. You know, I, I should have gone really big. Um, you know, bigger than he can defend, and then he can't really keep up with um, my damage output. But I think I was just, like, afraid of getting crushed. Uh, when, you know, with the Hus and potential defense reactions coming up in the future, I think my um, kind of fear of that was a little bit unfounded. You know, like, I right. should have been more aggressive in my, you know, build up to big combos um, out of banish and blood rush or art of war style turns, as well as just my like continual pressure per turn. Um, you know, looking back, that would have been, uh, or just any kind of, um, you know, cohesive game plan from start to finish, but it was a very, (laughs) it was a very good learning experience. And, you know, is like definitely shows me crystal clear, like why I like did not deserve to do better and why I like, you know, lost that round and, you know, lost in the tournament and stuff. Cause it was just like, uh, not, you know, not, no preparation really, really punished me. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's the amount of work I put in and that's what I got for it. And that's you oh, know, what right. it is. But, um, that, you know, that was the, definitely the pivotal moment, um, in the, on the day. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Cause you were, 
you had worked your way after that Bravo win kind of near the top tables and maybe could have pressed your advantage kind of up the rankings a little bit, even with that loss to me. Yeah, the Bolton win. Yeah. Well, just, oh, yeah, I think yeah, I beat I mean. the, chain, the chain player um, round one, I think was winning after I beat him. Yeah. And then I lost you and you were just winning. Yeah. And I beat Bolton. So I would, you know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Jake was one of the players with the like round one pairing snafu, you know? Oh, right. So it's like, oh, yeah, winds, buy. yeah, it winds up being like a bad loss. He doesn't even have a buy. His opponent just like drops, you know, oh. is, is how it works out. So, right. so I don't know how Jim, uh, values that but yeah um round four for me was against chris on katsu uh and he was a pretty good player for sure uh katsu is one of the decks i would like to see least as chain um we're talking aggro katsu correct yep uh, aggro katsu uh which either I don't know if his deck is double sleeved or he just like didn't sideboard out any cards or whatever, but he also had like a massive pile in front of me. Um, I guess we should kind of note on the meta. We don't know actually what the meta breakdown was because the shop didn't provide us with any of that information, but there definitely were a lot of chains for sure. Quite a few number of Boltons, uh, uh, mech was like pretty well represented also it's you know yeah there, but there wasn't any like there were some prisms but i mean i didn't even uh i think oliver was on prism he had won like a road to nats but like he was down down there in the tables for sure yeah i didn't see i didn't play against or <laughs> see with my eyeballs a uh <laughs> An Azalea, a Levia, or a Rhinar. I mean, yeah. for good reason, right? They're like, right. Um, maybe not good picks for the meta. But sometimes you see a, a broader variety of characters. Yeah. Some, and there weren't even that many preference. Bravos. Yeah, there weren't even that many yeah. Bravos either. So seemed pretty kind of one-sided here. There are a few Katsus and stuff. But uh, anyway, my game with Chris, uh, I just played extremely tight and played wound up being able to just like have really good exchanges and play around like any of his hit triggers and stuff. And uh, he never got, was able to get like a full combo line off on me, which was really great. And I wound up winning that match. Um, but it was still like pretty tight cause that deck is pretty good. Chris is like a new player, but was surprisingly very skilled on his Katsu deck. I think he had told me that he's played in like some grand prix for magic and stuff. Um, but you know, shout out to Chris. We'll get to our semis match at some point here, but he's just a really nice guy. too. Yeah, totally. Uh, Everybody I played against for the most part was really nice, but Chris was a real shining, uh, little diamond in the rough of Swiss, <laughs> you know, just like super chilled, nice dude. Nice, um, very cool. Yeah. yeah, there's these these dangerous players coming in that just have the practice and the minds for it, even if they're newer to flesh and blood. And it definitely takes flesh and blood practice, but yeah, you know, um, some of that experience does definitely carry over. Just being in a competitive, analytical um, 
yeah. card game history. Totally. So yeah. So now I'm four zero after four rounds, locked in for top eight. Doesn't matter what happens. Basically, uh, could lose the next two and still make top eight. I'm pretty sure. So I was feeling uh, pretty good. But at this point, after like the drive and stuff, and I was starting to in the heat. I was starting to like feel the onset of like fatigue for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Just, it, this. This event also started at one in the afternoon, um, mm-hmm. so by the you know by this time it's like I don't know five or whatever, right? Five thirty. It's like later in the day, and yeah, just the like the game store had AC, but just all the people and you know it's like masks and not that cold in there, and then just the smoky hot outside. Yeah, and like no no breaks. Um, yeah, by round six, I was like. My opponent and I were kind of uh, uh, collaborating on keeping track of life totals, you know, because <laughs> totally, uh, yeah, because of the kind of worn out factor. Uh, so, what happens to you in round five here, Isaac? Um, I went up against a Katsu player, which was a little unfortunate because I found out I played down, um, which is probably just my fault based on my uh, record at this point. But um, you know, I played a player with a slightly um, weaker uh, record than me, so I don't think this win was weighted very much. Um, I ended up beating him nine to nothing, but and you know he was like uh, my least skilled opponent on the day. All of my opponents all day were like very good, actually. Um, Especially except, in round two. I mean, you know that guy just kind of high rolled me. Who's round two? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you hit every banish except one card in round shackle four you missed. I was like, come on, Taylor, come on. You can't just miss for this one. You can't just <laughs> save them for later. Save them for the top table. Um, anyway, so this was, yes, you are a very good opponent. Don't worry. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You <laughs> Um, this, this Katsu player was, uh, you know, he was like, fine, he was proficient, but, uh, you know, newer, uh, to the game than my other opponents, um, like noticeably, but <laughs> the issue in Agro Katsu is like not, um, my favorite matchup for Levia, just in theory, I haven't really t- done much testing, but, um, the problem with Agrokatsu is it's like pretty easy to like um, continually pump out a lot of damage and hit triggers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have to block enough and kind of set up to then like pivot and beat him, um, which I did. Like I said, it was nine to nothing at the end, but it didn't feel like that for most of the game. You know, it was like pretty even. And I was just kind of waiting for like a good hand or a good turn to like really pivot and put the pressure on. And I, you know, there was just like a few turns where it was just kind of even exchanges, but me throwing vanilla six at him and blocking um, doesn't really pressure him like Katsu pressures you. So I was like really sweating this match just because I feel like I'm on the clock. Like, okay, we're, kind of set up we're kind of doing you know i just like need my moment and then it it got uh i just 
I guess I got a little lower than I would have preferred before that moment. Um, because Leviathan is a pretty classic brute in, um, in kind of that strategic sense in that you need to, or just this is what I've found so far. I have a lot to learn still, but it feels like you need to like, um, you're a little bit card hungry and a little slower, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to like kind of build or set up. You're probably losing at this point and then choose a moment to pivot and then seize momentum and then be winning with enough pressure to like keep the momentum because it's just a little bit card hungry, right? It's a little more card hungry of a deck. Also with Leviathan, you also need to pay your blood debt to avoid dying. So, you know, if it gets down to like four life to four life, you've probably lost because you can't just block out and like swing a weapon. Um, you need to make sure that happens before then. So, right. you know, for all those reasons, that's why I was, uh, you know, you're kind of sweating it mid game because your win condition is like coming up sooner than theirs, especially against like Katsu or Chain. Right. Um, but anyway, won that one. Uh, ended up blue convulsions dominating something like a, a growl or something, um, which that's what those are in there for, you know. Um, Hell yeah. All right. How was your round five? Uh, my round five was my first mirror match of the day. I played Brishan, I believe is his name, and he was on chain. Uh, but I would like to note this, you know, like these Matt Rogers flock decks, uh, just do not do good into the mirror match. You know, um, the way I've set my deck up is to really capitalize, you know, on the mirror match things and stuff. So I just kind of like mid ranged him early he missed like basically on all of his banishes because he has like flocks and blue consuming volition and stuff like that. Uh, no knock on, on my player, you know, it's just, you know, I was prepared for the, the mirror match and, you know, just kind of like mid game pivoted. Oh, this is what happened, right? This game was like actually pretty interesting because of this. So, uh, I am kind of tired and I'm trying to like chum it up with people at the table. And, you know, now I've been sitting next to the, the same couple of people now for a while. Uh, and we're like visiting and stuff. And I'm like, cool, I'm in at top eight, whatever. And I just like make a rune chant arsenal pass and forgot to shackle. And I won the dice roll and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so then... After that, I just like was trying to get back ahead, you know, because now I'm a shackle behind, even though I have an arsenal card. So then I just like played as aggressive as possible to try to get as many cards or deal as much damage as I could to give myself some space uh, and hopefully force him into the same thing to make the game a little bit more even, which worked. So... I just like, you know, presented a bunch of damage to my turn. I guess it's turn two, right? First turns, turn zero. Um, and he just like took it all, which was pretty great. And then 
he had like because he had a middling turn, etc. So then we just kind of started trading four card hands. But what put me up is that I have a higher number of blood debt cards uh, than he does. And so I was hitting off of my banishes much, much earlier and then was able to um, find space to get a few cards in Arsenal a few times in a row. And he was not. And that really wound up being uh, the difference because partway through the game, he had to uh, break his only thing that maybe I was going to be playing around, which was his ebb and fold. Um, for the spell void, you know? And so then it was like hammering away with arcane and using, uh, vexing or not vexing malice, uh, invert existence to like push through hit effects and give cards go again and that, and that sort of thing and wound up winning thankfully. Um, but yeah, put myself in a bit of a spot there because of that. Well, at least you were, uh, already in by the time you made this mistake. Otherwise, you might have totally. been really sweating. Yeah. So anyway, made it into uh, out of round five, five and zero, oh, and uh, we're on to round six, final round of Swiss. Um. So for my round six, I played against uh, a dash player who's really good. Um. It, it was like a pretty aggressive dash deck. Um with defense reactions and like I saw one unmovable um but it was like a pretty aggressive list it had like a lot of the reds I don't know if this is Matt Rogers new new dash list that can like pivot more aggro but um you know like a lot of the red attacks like boosting off the top hitting every time um really hammering down at me he also started with the sorry I'm not a dash player he's plasma purifier yeah, the one that buffs the pistol mm-hmm. instead of go again. Um, which I don't know why, but I think that might uh, just be a little more cost effective um, to shoot once if you're going this aggro, you know, method. Or maybe not. But, you know, he was like very talented on the deck um, and that seemed to be working for him in his like resource management. Um, so. This is another match where I went down. <laughs> he He's just like hammering into me, right? And then he ends the chain with a Goliath Gauntlet commanding Hawker. <laughs> and we're both at like, I forget. I think I'm, it's like 38 life and I'm down to like 20 or something. Here, I'm look at this. Or 20 something. Just checking oh, yeah, the notes 37 here. 37 to 31. And uh, and then he like swings in with Command and Conquer for eight, but broke and Goliath fell. And so I was like, ugh, I'm just like getting pulverized. So I broke my husk and my, uh, use my leathers to block that out and just maintain some sort of, you know, uh, life. Actually, I think it went down to 35 to 27 at that point. And anyway, um, the game keeps going on, and uh, he has 32 life, and I have 19. And this, I realize this is kind of a theme with Leviat, it seems, because I had a similar situation in the Bolton matchup where I'm, like, going down, um, but getting more set up. Um, 
or, you know, more in position to then, uh, you know, take control of the match, which is like not a given thing because your draws after your pivot turn are totally random, right? Um, but you just bank on the, those future draws working out. So he, um, uh, I'm down by 13 and then I, I pivot and uh, I smashed his his stuff, which feels really, really cool. Oh, right. Um, yeah, you play with, Arg Smash. With an Arg Smash. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> and uh, I How'd you say it in the in the car? I lost I lost it because you were so funny. You were just like, yeah, and then I just fucking smashed all of his shit and just went like, ah! <laughs> it's, it's like such an on-theme card. Yeah, but, um, so funny. So yeah, I did that and then swung like some pretty good damage or a bunch of damage. And then, um, you know, after that, I like, I forget what, I like maybe Screamer or maybe Screamer and a Growl and then Summon Blasphemet, um, which is a huge, <laughs> huge pivot turn. This is the first uh, first time all tournament I summoned Blasphemet. Um, there were some other times where maybe I could have, but just having the blue was actually more valuable at the time. So I did not end up like arsenaling it or doing it just because Blasphemet's a little bit hard to use because um, you, you like kind of still need the go again, right? You mm -hmm. just summoning it, you have to have like an extra action point or like a screamer into it or like a big blood rush turn into it. Just like having a six attack and then summoning it doesn't really do much right so it, it is pretty situational um but you could you know ideally you can like arsenal it and then roll scab skins or whatever and then do it off of that um so this is just a pivotal turn because i swing at him for six and then on his turn it costs him like three cards i think to get rid of blasphemet and then i'm going back at him with a five card hand right and uh i only ended up winning that one four to nothing but you know, it's 10 to two in the later game and seven to one and six to one. I just kind of, uh, you know, took some damage to like, yeah, just taking like a pistol hit. Yeah. Yeah. Or like two. Cause I'm like, well, I'm just going to kill you this next turn. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of went into depth in this one, but, um, that was a really good game cause he was like very good. Um, you know, very good at handling, uh, handling my pressure, but it's just like, yeah, that seems to be the theme, at least with my Leviathan play, is just like you kind of get on your heels and go down or like play the mid-range game and return. But, you know, block, swing a six or, you know, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But then you take quite a lot and then you pivot and, uh, and hopefully carry it out and win. <laughs> there was There was a game, I think in my Bravo loss, I was like, you know what, all day... Or maybe it was my fourth game. But I was like, you know, all day I've been rocking Ebonfold and I haven't really used it offensively and I've never needed it to play, you know, pay my blood debt. Like, um, you know, I'm just going to rock Skullcap because the extra block seems like way better for the pivot. And then that game I like drew a hand that could pay it and I took like eight damage <laughs> or something. <laughs> and from then on went back to Ebonfold. <laughs> just to hedge my bets and then needed it in later games including the dash game to uh because i drew a hand that could not pay my debt so i had to use it again so i think that was also a very good learning 
experience. And even if you go many games without needing it, um, I think between yeah. the offensive weapon and the um, bailing you out aspect, um, yeah, has a lot more value than Arcanine, except maybe against Ninja. But um, yeah, it just yeah. has so much more utility, right, than the yeah. Skull Cap. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Um, so anyway, that's my tournament report. I ended four to two, but a lost second round and a lost fourth, like, got me, you know, put me out of it. And I, uh, I ended up 11th out of 38, which is like, I'm like very happy with that um, performance, especially um, as I'm kind of learning on the fly and having a really fun time. I like can't <laughs> recommend this deck to everybody because it's a very specific play style and, um, you know, rewards you for reps. I think it's very difficult. It has a lot of lines every single turn or most turns. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it very tough and a there's like a lot of room to make mistakes, right? Like if the more opportunities to make mistakes, the more mistakes you'll make over the course of a day. Yeah. Um, and you so, get punished really hard, you know, yeah, also definitely. like it just, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was also, like I said, by around six, I was like really feeling the fatigue from our long day, but also I think from like having to critically think so hard being, not being practiced enough and like, you know, it being a little, little tougher of a deck to play. Um, you know, I really, really felt the fatigue in that round six game. Thankfully, I think my opponent was feeling fatigued also. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, very, very fun to play. I'm glad I brought it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, again, couldn't have expected a better, uh, you know, result really. Um, so anyway, Taylor goes into round six, uh, five and oh, Five and zero. Oh, uh, it's a rematch between me and John, who I played in semis at our uh, first road to Nats in Sacramento. Oh, nice. Um, and he didn't wind up making top eight, which was really weird. Uh, Since he, he played you as the highest, that is weird because you were the highest seed going into round six. And then he played you. Yeah. And, and did not make top eight. And he didn't make top eight because one of his wins is against Jake, who had like a weird uh, hmm. schedule, you know, that like, I think partially, no offense to Jake, it's not his fault, you know, but like hit that loss drags you, I think, out of top eight. And just like for breakers for John, then being, because I win this match. Um, and go six zero, and for John then being five and two, he also bubbles out. You know, right? Kind of partially um, because of that. It's just weird that he would be playing you in round six if he did not have a really really strong position. Yeah, uh, and it you was know? weird to have not played <clears throat> um, somebody else that I was most likely to see in top eight again. You know what I mean? Right. Like well, you would have, like... I would have thought uh, by then I would be playing another person who made top eight. Right. But... The second best player out of Swiss. Is yeah. Or, work, right? or whatever, but, you know? Yeah. yeah. Should have played like maybe uh, the player you beat round one or something or Brooks 
or Patrick or something, some of the other top eighters. So I don't know what happened there. It was just uh, very odd. Yeah. Anyway, so well, I, anyway, uh, now. yep. Me and John play, I beat him. I banished an early eclipse and then was like, sweet, I'm just going to play into this eventuality here and just save up some blood deck cards. Um, because, you know, from the cards John was playing and stuff, I was like, okay, cool. He's still on like maybe a, a less efficient mirror chain match or whatever. And so like turn three, I summon Blasphemet and just freaking go to town for the rest of the game, basically. Or maybe it's turn four. No, I think it's turn three because then I switched. I, I popped in a, another shackle, you know. And so it was just too much for him to deal with, which he just ignored Urser and uh, I just, you know, present too much damage for him and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and I was kind of tired. I was so friggin' tired by this point. Like I couldn't figure out how to actually kill him really, you know, like cleanly. I was like, I know it's here somewhere in my final turn, but I can't find it. And, uh, you know, I invert him. He's on two health, but he wound up saving like a blue and, uh, he's on lower life. So he uses skull cap and I was like, well, I guess that's one way to do it. He just won't have any, uh, cards on his turn and maybe he'll die from blood debt. And then he did. Um, but even if he doesn't die, he's on two health and I still have Urser out. So I was going to, I was going to get there. I just couldn't think through the line enough. Um, and so well, I wound has, up, go ahead. Chain has so many block for twos that having Urser to swing on the end of your chain every time is just like, like against that deck in particular, an extra six, you know, is going to like, they're going to leak damage. Yeah, or you can even start out the chain with it and stuff. And gotcha. Yeah. So, bam, went six zero top seed uh, into top cut. Uh, ran out to the car to like try to get some more food into me, refill up my water bottle, and work my way into three liters of water and stuff, and get back to the shop. And uh, I'm like, okay, so what's the plan for top eight? Did I miss anything? He was like, oh, just start playing whenever. I was like, okay, so we're not timing these rounds. He was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll just Google it. <laughs> I was like, how do we not have a plan right here? <laughs> you know? And so then top eight was just kind of like, uh, thankfully the players knew what they were doing, you know? So we all like, kind of coordinated and we're like okay we'll we'll just uh start now i guess you know uh and so then uh for quarters i played uh tim right i think let me check my notes yeah i played tim uh and he was on chain as well uh shout out to sideboard gaming they're just like a new crew um, making videos and stuff. And Tim was like super nice. And, uh, you know, I, uh, handily beat him. 
thankfully, because that was like uh, maybe my second easiest win. No shade on you, Tim. Uh, but I just had not a problem. And he was on like, you know, flock, flock chain and just like banishing flocks and other non-blood deck cards for most of the game. And uh, Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a minute because it just, it like comes back to just like your first tournament, right? It's like you have a tailored plan <laughs> for, uh, you know, the mirror match, right? Mm. And uh, it just from what I observed, maybe this isn't, you know, true some of the time, but it just seemed like these chain flock decks just seem to be kind of not adjusting or not sideboarding at least that much and kind of just going with their, it just seems like in a lot of matches, it's kind of like the same plan, right? I'm just going to aggro and hope for good vanishes and, you know, just like hope to get you before you get me. And like, I know some of the better players, you know, definitely, uh, you know, can change tempo and like block a little more early if it, you know, it, if it benefits them and then, you know, win late game and stuff. But it, it just seems like, um, from what I've seen, uh, you know, a number of players just don't have a concrete plan uh, to execute, <laughs> you know? Or like, totally. you kind of have a general idea, like, oh, in this matchup, I need to like, Walk a bit more, maybe because it's ninja, you know, and then I'll have the advantage later on. But just not having this like really dialed, like I put these six cards in, take these six out, and this is exactly what I do. Um, you know, seem to like see me through quite a bit, especially against the flock decks that uh, just have a lower number of blood deck cards, etc. Yeah. Well, okay. So in the mirror, you just can't really play you're like trying to play five card hands but the way flock works is you know it's a lot harder to make that your five card hand and is way harder it's like a thing you have to get going you know what i mean you either have to end with a card you're gonna arsenal right to start flock happening or you have to have like a shadow puppetry on it or something, you know, right. to, to start. the. So it just is really, really awkward and it only blocks for two and block for threes in the mirror are like a premium. And it's like a pretty good, I think, call in like week two, maybe three of Road to Nats when there's a lot more control and you have a lot more time to set up like a flock play or whatever but into the aggro decks and especially in the mirror, it's just not as it's not taking advantage of the, you know, minute weaknesses that are, that happen between the two decks. Um, and it just doesn't like, it doesn't do enough. Like you need more flexible cards in that matchup. Um, so fair enough that's that's uh that's my take on that and like yeah dude like matt rogers and nick butcher came up and won with that deck you know uh but i still don't think it's good (laughs) yeah i mean like what do i know you know i don't get spoilers from lss and you know i'm just like a 
Joe Schmo out here in the middle of nowhere, California. Um, but I, just, I, you know, it's just not doing, not going to do well in week five and week six, if you're running flock of the feather walkers and there are hardly any control decks anymore, you know? Yeah. So, and that, that's seen a, sh- I mean, that's been a shift we've been trying to like anticipate coming for a number of weeks now. Yeah, and totally. This, this I mean, weekend, you said, yeah, you said it after our last road to Nats, like control does not beat chain. Stop playing control. You know? <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, fast forward to now. And finally, um, in this tournament was the first one. Uh, I mean, it's been happening. Like in Portland, I played against and saw like um, more and the deck that won is like more aggressive Bravo list and stuff. Um, so it's been happening on the individual level throughout Road and Nats. But yeah. just to me, this is the first tournament that I saw the whole um, the whole tournament had adapted to a more aggressive strategy, right? Like, uh, I didn't see a control Katsu all game uh, or all day. And uh, the dashes could pivot aggressive at least. And, you know. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it just felt like, you know, we'd finally we'd finally kind of got there and, like, players um, had adapted to beat chain in that way, which was, like, cool to see, like, one, one you know, step forward in the meta had, like, fully come around yeah and uh i would say too overall the kind of skill level or at least the i don't know being in the aggro meta finally was definitely more challenging than earlier on in road to nats you know um and i think there's a host of things while why i felt that uh, you know uh it being such a long day being busy with work and not really getting to kind of get like enough reps to get really, really confident um, for that weekend was part of it. But uh, even still like our theory and how we thought about the game and where the meta would go and stuff was still pretty correct. Even though look, big shout out to uh, coach Dale who really talked me down off of the ledge uh, for this weekend. Like I was trying to, you know, I was scrambling due to lack of real testing, you know, leading up to this weekend and getting to talk to him. And he just like talked me off the ledge (laughs) for a couple of real (laughs) dumb things, which I can't believe I sent you those messages. Hayden, Uh, thanks for taking those in stride and not being like, what are you a fucking idiot? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know you said that very politely um so that, i appreciate appreciate that that's what happens when you like don't have any time to play or test but you're like stressed out and have time to think about it right because yeah then you're just in your own brain like okay if i make these tweaks then it like combats that and that'll work yeah okay and then the metal shift this way okay and then i'll tweak it like this you know and then yeah. yeah, I'll be in a better position here. And like, oh, this card's probably pretty good in here. But then so yeah. you're like four iterations of your deck down the line just in your own brain, you know, with no, yeah, totally. no actual feedback. Uh, yeah. At least, you know, I can do that. Because every time you lay out your cards, you're like, okay, this seems more optimal. And then pretty soon you're too far gone off of the, uh, you know, the true path without any 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need totally. to like tweak and test. Yeah. Get feedback and then because you can't just mm-hmm. uh, hypothesize the result of every, you know, addition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, you know, sticking to the fundamentals and what you know was the right call, basically. You know, I was telling you, but also trying to tell myself, right, all tournament, like, you know, you had less reps on your deck and stuff. And I was like, just be the better player at the table. And that will get you through probably the majority of your games that you're like unsure of, you know, um, which worked to a degree basically for, for both of us, for sure. I would like to note uh, again, Tim, very nice. Uh, but I did beat him with maybe my favorite play, which is double invert. So I invert him on his turn or on my turn to get him down low enough. And then he goes to draw up and I have to say, wait, hold on. And then I just invert him while he has no cards. So that was pretty fun. Sorry, nice. Tim, but it's awesome. <laughs> just go full wizard for a minute and just burn him down. Yeah, totally. So now, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the best. So now I've made top four, whew, which was just basically my goal. I, uh, had sold my playmat and my tunic and stuff from my previous win. So I kind of wanted another playmat. And I was like, well, I'll just try to make top four. And it was a rematch against uh, my round four opponent, Chris. So he, we're back on Agro Katsu. And uh, it was like just an insane slug match. Uh, I a couple of things happened in this game. I like definitely high rolled him like basically all the way to the end of the game. Uh, I was just getting like my art of wars, my E strikes comboed with uh, plunder runs or uh, shadow puppetries. Like I was just kind of taking hits and just really living the dream and just doing a bunch of stuff, which felt awesome. Uh, but then once we got down to the end of the game, I wound up with a hand that was going to present 12 damage when he was on five life. And I was like, okay, sweet. We're gonna, I think it's actually 13 damage if like a meet and greet hits, right? But I have a rune chant up, a uh, rip through reality and banish meet and greet in hand and uh, like a seeds in arsenal or something, you know, it winds up being a little bit more than 12 and then I can, I have the resources to finish off with nebula blade. So I'm going to do 12 damage, hopefully end my turn with another rune chant and get to arsenal my art of war for the kill turn. If I don't kill him uh, the turn that I'm on. But what winds up happening, so I go down to two. I'm like, cool, I'm going to take all of his cards and kill him on the next turn, if not this one, no problem. Uh, and Chris had improved actually a lot since last time I played him, for sure. And it was in the same day. So shout out to Chris again. He's just such a nice guy. But so I, I lead off with, oh, and then I had banished off of my banishes another rip through reality and I still have the resources to pay for that also. So I'm like, Oh 
definitely got it now. Here comes 16, 17 or 18 damage, you know? Uh, so I lead off right with rip through reality with the rune chant rune chant hits. He has no arcane barrier. Boom. Red flick flack from arsenal. I was like, okay, no problem. We're still going to go wide enough. It's going to be totally fine. So then I play the next rip through reality. Cause that one doesn't have the hit effect. Boom. Red flick flack from hand. Like, okay, no problem. We still have eight damage coming. We're, we're, we're going to be fine here. Uh, we're going to strip some more cards, right? You'll get to single block, but I'll be able to survive. I have a little bit of armor up. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, we'll get uh, something else off here. Uh, and then, bam, play meet and greet just because, you know, we're going to try to get the rune chant at the end. Uh, to set up the next turn. And uh, he hits me with the third red flick flack <laughs> and, and blocks 12 damage. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like pretty tilted. He's got uh, two cards left in hand and I have just... Uh, um just the Artivore, I think, left and one resource up or something like that. I'm kind of flubbing this a little bit. Uh, and I don't think he has... He doesn't have armor up. He doesn't have Snapdragons left or anything. Uh, so I just was like so tired at this point. It's like hour 13. I'm a little tilted and finally like my kind of mental armor breaks, you know? Like I stopped thinking about like uh, my outs and how to play and, you know, just staying calm. I just definitely got a little tilted. I was like, what the fuck are the odds that he gets three red flip flacks right now? And so I sat there and debated whether or not I should arsenal art of war or attack him and just take him down to one. Uh, and then if, even if I do, you know, it just wasn't going to kill him. And then I only have a four card hand to like deal with Kadachis and my five banished cards, you know? So I don't know. I would still maybe have to like give up all four cards because I'm at two health um, or I'm at three health and then I'll be at two and it just got a little spicy. So unsure what to do, but I just was like, okay, if I get to play Art of War as like an attack reaction for a hit effect or something, maybe we'll we'll get through the next turn um, and hopefully kill him then. So then I like arsenaled Art of War, draw up. I have three attacks and uh, Eclipse in hand, and he leads off with you know pitches of blue, uh, zero cost blue Kadachi for one, and I'm sitting there going okay. So it's probably Kadachi, Kadachi, you know, some zero cost for four or something like that. I will be totally fine, et cetera. You know, I just didn't sit there and think about it. Didn't play through it. I'm still kind of tilted that I can't believe I didn't kill him. What are my outs, et cetera. I have one piece of armor. 
like I'll save the attacks for later on the chain. So I, I forget what happened. I like started to talk it through and then just was like, you know what, whatever. And just pushed my piece of armor in front and just said block for one. And then he razored it and I lost on the spot, (laughs) which is so upsetting because I just needed to block with the red attack in hand for three twice. And then that was, and then I would still have two cards. I'd have six resources and uh, five shackles coming up and maybe could have pulled it out in the next two turns. Um, Right. Like if it's not a razor and Kadachi Kadachi attack, you could block with three cards and save a blue and save a blue to have a chance on your turn. Yeah. Yeah. And then that also kind of blocks the potential razor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause then I can art of war from arsenal to give them plus one plus one and not take one damage, you know? Yeah. Or take one damage, go to one or whatever, you know? Um, so it was just like, I just made a mistake and lost, lost in the, on the spot, you know, which was just such a bummer, but I'm really happy for Chris cause he went on to win the whole tournament. So, um, that's great. It just was like looking at, you know, he played the, one of the chains that I had beat earlier in the top eight or in the, in Swiss. And so it was like, you know, I don't know if I still would have won. I tried to like <laughs> banish the top five cards and look at them. And I just was like, nah, I can't do this. I'm just, I'm too tired. Who cares? I can't think through the line. What would happen? I lost. Who cares? <laughs> but at the same time, I am bummed because I could have, you know, won that game. Definitely could have won the finals match and then be undefeated for the season and have two road to Nats wins, which sounds really good. But yeah. on the flip side, having lost only one game in two whole tournaments um, and being undefeated against chain in the mirror uh, is still, you know, I feel really good about that. And it's, I think good to lose as well because now I've learned a lot more and I will be a lot sharper for the calling. Yeah. Which is good. Cause uh, when we first started out before our first road and that's the mirror was what you were worried about the most. Yeah. So just cause I had kind of less that. practice in it and it was kind of based on like a lot of my theory about how the match would go. Um, and just everybody, there's just a lot of talk about there being it being a coin flip. But, you know, as now I've since then tested it much more, it's definitely a high or not a high, but there's quite a lot of skill in a lot of really interesting decision points in the mirror uh, that you have to have. And um, it's definitely not a coin flip or else. I wouldn't have won, you know, gotten heads, uh, however many times in a row at road to Nats, you know, it's also tough. I mean, every time any of us loses, you look back at like the mistake or two that you made and how you could have played more optimally, but it's also tough to just, you know, um, know how a game would have went if you had, you know, played differently or whatever, which is like yeah. part of the frustrating part about it, you know, but I guess the, the important part is just to like 
acknowledge and learn from that mistake and then see how yeah you know, your next game in the future goes when you do not make that particular error you know yeah yeah and i wasn't sure you know having played chris already uh either he sided differently or just didn't side out any cards and just played with like all of his cards and that's why i hadn't seen a lot of things in his second game that his deck was doing um like he you know maybe he put in hurricane technique and uh maybe he did put in the razors because there were no ancestrials or razors in our first game um so it and i still should have had it on my mind for sure you know it definitely is tough because you it's an obvious line to think of and you know you just lose your mental armor and you stop thinking, you know, about the other lines. Yeah. It's part of the, part of the skill that I'm certainly not used to playing these very long days. Yeah. Well, great job though. Oh yeah. Thanks for the season. Totally. I'm psyched. You know, I'm 15 and one. Uh, which is freaking awesome. So, uh, you know, not as good as Brendan Patrick, but uh, still pretty good. He also gets to play a lot more Red to Nats, so. Um, but not bad. I mean, you know, played the same deck twice, basically, and it's only lost one game. Pretty rad. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that was our Road to Nats. I had, you know, again, the best time was like, uh making some new friends like everybody i played in swiss was really great and getting to like hang out with brooks and patrick a little bit more and uh, some of the other guys in the bay area who we had played against previously uh is is just great you know that's really i think the better part than just doing all of those wins was like making buds you know yeah and going Going with Mitch is a blast because him bringing Kano and just being like, oh, yeah, I roasted this guy and, you know, like telling you about because like Kano games are always so exciting. Or like mm. I had him, I had him three different ways and I blew it, you know, because he like missed the line or whatever. And totally. Like, yeah. At the end going against Prism and just being like, oh, no, because that's maybe really bad, but just like burning a Prism down. It's, you know, it's just everything about Kano is just like very exciting and nail biting. So uh, Mitch's journey is like pretty fun. To yeah, he's an agent of chaos. Yeah. yeah. And so it's fun to see what the hell is going to happen with him. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, despite having a weirdly run tournament, it was still a fun experience, you know? Yeah, it was great. And like you said, er- or everybody that I interacted with there was like uh, very nice um, and, you know, good sports. And, uh, Oh yeah. You know, it was like a fun, it was a fun, I mean, you know, there's always like a couple of people who were more serious than others, but you yeah, know, it was, but the uh, players definitely made it a good experience. And there were a couple of dogs in the shop and we're yeah. big fans of dogs. So shout out to Odin, such a little feisty guy. He was great. <laughs> uh, 
So let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back with our signature segments. How's that sound? Oh, sure. All right. See you real soon. Is anybody there? We're back. And we're back. And we're back. There you go. Uh, all right. So now it's time for our signature segments. So first up, we have pick, pass, pray. So it's a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three cards, Isaac, and you're going to choose which card you want to pick, pass, and pray comes back around. Are you ready? I am ready. Excellent. So our first card is Zealous Belting Yellow. So it pitches for two, costs two, attacks for four, defends for two, and it reads... While there is a card in your pitch zone with power greater than Zealous Belting's base power, Zealous Belting gains go again. Flails, chains, and a body the size of a house. What could a cultist wish for more? Or something. So that's our first card. Our second card is Halo of Illumination, a light equipment headpiece. It defends for zero but it has an instant ability that costs one. Destroy Halo of Illumination. Put a card from your hand into your hero's soul. If it's a light card, draw, draw a card. And it also has Spell Void 2. Okay? Our third card is Surging Militia Blue. So it pitches for three, costs two, attacks for three, defends for two, and it's a generic attack action. And it reads, Surging Militia has plus one power, for each non-equipment card defending it. The villagers of the Golden Fields are just as noble and brave as the Salonians who live within the city. And it's got a tin pot Timmy on it, which is pretty great. All right, Isaac, which one are you picking, passing, and praying comes back around? Um, okay, so I'm going to pick Halo of Illumination um, 100%. Cool. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a light headpiece, and you know you might not go that way. You might get a, you know, iron hide or something you want to pair or whatever. But uh, this card's pretty good with the spell void against chain, as we know there is no null rune, and it's pretty good for uh, um, the iris prism uh, to be able to load your soul right out of the gates, um, or for Bolton be able to load your soul it could be just because it works at instant speed and um, mm -hmm. if you just you know got nothing else online or whatever and they go first you can instant effect it, you know and get a little bit loaded up for uh your turn or save it for you know some sort of combo that you have down the line but just because right. of its kind of uh value and versatility for both characters it's not just kind of like a Oh, well, this is okay also. It, you know, it, it very much helps two of the characters. Um, I think it's a decent pick. And I'm going to pray um, Surging Militia Blue comes back around. That card in red um, is actually pretty good in draft uh, when played late game. You can really, like, just strip your opponent's whole hand or kill them with it. Uh, blue is a little less ideal, but... Um, 
it is a blue. You can pitch it, and then if it's online late game, you can play it, and it forces a two-card block if they care about that, that one damage leak through. So, I mean, also some, you know, some of these draft decks, depending on how you're building, require a certain amount of blues also, right, that you may have not seen enough of your class blues or drafted enough of those or whatever. So um, right. just being a blue in of itself also just has like a little bit of value in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Zealous Belting that with a lot of these high, high attack generics and cards in general, um, that yellow Zealous Belting could be online fairly often, but you know, it, it requires it to be online and then requires kind of a, um, a full hand of cards maybe to play it and then play something mm -hmm. else uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on that one particularly because it's a yellow um so those are my picks sweet back to you taylor all right for my pick i am gonna pick the surging militia keeps me really open to any class and it really works in any class as a blue like uh, as a late game pressure card you know, and you could also set it up with something like Warmonger's Recital or something like that. So then it's, you know, pushing that damage through at a different break point rather than at four. It could be pushing it through at seven, uh, which is pretty sick. Maybe getting uh, four cards, you know, a lot of cards block for two in this format. So just, I think, really, really good. Uh, but then the, so I'm just kind of flip-flopping with you here. I think the halo is something I would like to see come back around. Um, just equipment is always at a premium and maybe by the time my original pack comes around and the halo still in there, maybe I have a better idea that, uh, picking it for a light hero would be pretty beneficial. Um, but with no real information, uh, and it being a bit more of a narrow card, I'm going to let zealous belting go. So I'm just going to pass on zealous belting, even though in like the right build, uh, they can be, if you have m multiple zealous beltings, especially for like prism or even Leviathan, it's a great way to get like that kind of extra attack in every round. So it can be very, very good but requires a bit more setup than the other two cards. So that, that's my choice. Pick and surging, praying for Halo, and passing on Zealous. Cool. Hell yeah. Pretty aligned to that time. We don't always uh, agree so much. I mean, it was close. I picked the thing you prayed on and then yeah. uh, prayed on the thing you picked on. <laughs> Sounds weird. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, uh, next, like that. yeah. So uh, let's get into your riddle me this, Isaac. So uh, what's your riddle me this? Okay. So for riddle me this, um, this episode, I uh, this might be kind of a little bit just because I don't play Prism as a class. So maybe everybody knows, and I just don't know this. But my riddle me this is a uh, red blinding beam. It seems like nobody rocks this card. And in spoiler season, I thought that maybe this card was pretty good, uh, maybe naively. But um, it just seems 
like it has a lot of value in certain situations in my brain, right? Like hypothetically, it seems pretty good. It, you know, blocks for three kind of, but does a similar thing as blocks for three. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gets around dominate, right? Because it's an instant. Um, It's an anti-sixer for if you don't want somebody to pop your stuff. And it's kind of a surprise anti-sixer because odds are they'll only block for one card and then you can play that to then get like four damage through or whatever. And uh, it also seems like a pretty good anti-Bolton card um, because Mm -hmm. reducing an attack by three is a lot better than one or two and seems like it would would apply um, as kind of a surprise get rid of Bolton's go again ability. And like all of these are specific situations, but with that list, it it just to me seems like it could have value, um, but maybe not. You know, um, maybe there's yeah. just no room in a Luminaris deck for that type of red. Well, I think because a lot of times in many of your matchups, it costs you one, so right. you're paying one to block for three, so it's two cards to block three. Right. Uh, and so you just might as well put something else in your deck that actually blocks for three. Definitely. I mean, if you're if you're rocking a tunic, it plays off of that for a yeah. lot of these situations. And if you are uh, using it offensively to pop their sixer, you know, you could have one floating from your herald play. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, you know, yeah, maybe maybe it's know. just not online too much. Um, it just seems like a good surprise. Well, a little surprise. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe not. Well, Nobody's playing it. I'm. I'm sure I'm wrong. I just uh, was thinking of all of those applications. Totally. Yeah. Well, let us know. Uh, you know, and that sort of thing, and uh, you know, yeah. we'll we'll Think find about out. It. Riddle me this, <laughs> uh, Isaac. Uh, it's also your uh, game from the closet. Yes. So at the Attack Action Podcast, we play many, many board games and love a lot of different games. Um, Flesh and Blood Blood is not the only game we play. So sometimes we like to share one of our games with you guys. Um, This is a game we love. It doesn't have to be the best game in the world. It's just, you know, one we want to put out there and hope you guys will enjoy. Um, So this this month is a game that uh, I've been playing with... uh, Mitch and Carolyn and my sister Caitlin um, and I was trying to wait till we played it quite a bit more to recommend it but it might be quite a while because I think we'll be playing it for a very long time this game is Sleeping Gods and it's kind of the ex- uh, successor to Near and Far and it's it's really great it's a cooperative game where you uh, you and your friends uh we're on a ship and, you know, hit a storm and then wake up in a, a strange land. So you're sailing your boat around to these different isles, having different adventures, um, encounters, doing different things. It has a kind of near and far flavor, but it's uh, really fleshed out. You control different crew members, um, you know, there's combat, non-combat encounters, and uh, unlike Near and Far, it's truly cooperative, which kind of feels like what that game should have been, I think. Um, so if you, you know, if any of that kind of 
is anything you would be looking for in a board game, especially with so much flesh and blood in my life. Um, like a cooperative adventure game that's really good has a lot of appeal because it's kind of in stark contrast to a bitter competitive game, you know. Um, uh, since we live in the modern age, you can just watch a YouTube video about gameplay of a game also if you want to check it out. I'm sure there's plenty plenty of resources out there. And uh, yeah, this game is like, again, we played quite a lot of games and this game is like top-notch, you know, polished uh, if, it, if it, it's in your wheelhouse. Highly recommended. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I it. got. Yeah. <laughs> I've not played with Taylor yet. Totally, but it does get very good reviews. Shout out to, no pun included, uh, Efka and Elaine. Uh, they have a really great review about uh, Sleeping Gods and that sort of thing, so you should go cool. check that out. Nice. And uh, that's it. That's our show. All right. Take us out? Yeah, exactly, outro, man. Um, we're on Gmail at G... <laughs> on or at gmail um, <laughs> the attack action podcast at gmail.com um we're on twitter now battle bro taylor and battle bro isaac um we have Hell a yeah. patreon please support us for the cost of a beer or a cup of coffee per month um you get access to our uh really really fun and wonderful discord uh discussions and games and occasional tournaments and you know the like um it's a good place to be. Uh, Fab Foundry is our partner. If you use our affiliate link in our um, show notes, it's just like one more click, two more seconds of your time, and it will help support us. Um, we're on Instagram, and we're in Discord. You can find us. Uh, Taylor's uh, Mr. Beef Hammer, and I am uh, Captain Bison Sledge. Just <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I should change it to well, that. Well, you, you now need to change it to that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's pretty awesome. Sorry. Um, I love that. I, I, I am uh, Ejac on Discord. Um, we can be fine in the other Discord channels too. Um, I think we should probably switch our Discord handle to the Falcon of the West and the Prince of Precision. Oh, yeah. Now that, now that we're promoting that. <laughs> but anyway, at, at a later time, our names might be different. Um, <laughs> Falling off the rails here. <laughs> uh, what else we got? I think that's it. Nice. Facebook um, at the we, Attack Action Podcast. I think yeah, you said we have that. A Facebook. Um, I did make a deck, uh, deck tech for my Azalea Top Eight um, deck list. Uh, it's like forty minutes long. But you can also just click on the FabDB link if all you care about is the cards. And uh, that can but be you won't get YouTube the the Facebook. excellent insight that you have in that video, such as and traps are just awful. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I like one or two though. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. In this game, looking at a deck list is really hard. But if you know what, yeah, you can run on for forty minutes. Totally. It's a very good video and it's well thought out and, uh, you know, it's, Thanks. it's worth your time if you are interested in some sweet Azalea tech for sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, we, uh, we also love 
listener mail questions, chatting about meta or anything. So hit us up on any of those things. Yep. You know, we're just totally. to hear from you. Yeah. So our next episode won't be until after Vegas, um, in which we will give everybody the full rundown of everything I think we can. Um, so look for that sometime after uh, Vegas weekend. Um, yeah. Unsure of how that structure will be for that podcast because there's like quite a lot of things going on. Um, so uh, maybe it'll be like a two part series or something, but right. We have anyway, the first pre-release ever the calling and spoilers and all that. Yeah, and like, you know, potentially you winning the pro quest on Sunday or Mitch winning the calling or something, you know. Who knows? Anything could happen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's our show. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate you all. And uh, we'll catch you after the calling. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.